Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Just to clarify, is your offseason goal to stay a Giant? Do you want to still be the quarterback of the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like I said, we'll... we'll, uh cross that bridge when we get there I've, I've really enjoyed playing here um, you know I, I uh, appreciate all the, those guys in the locker room it's a special group of guys and I've really enjoyed being a part of it um, so we'll, we'll figure out where that goes but um, I have nothing but, but love and respect for this organization and, and the group of guys in the locker room Already five years in as the Giants. No, four years. Four years. I can't. No, they didn't pick. No, it's only four years. It's not five. That's the problem. They didn't pick up the fifth year option. It will be year five if he stays with the team. He he's in a good spot. He's in a good spot. They made that assessment last year to not pick up the option. They they took their time right up until the deadline. And I still think they were betting on the fact that Jones wasn't going to be great. That they were more comfortable taking that bet than committing to one year in 2023 a fully guaranteed fifth-year option which would have been i think somewhere around 25 million 25 to 30 million something like that which will look like a bargain i think in comparison to the contract he gets whether it's from the giants or someone else chris but that's the reality right now jones had a contract year and he made the most of it and that makes him plenty of money from the Giants or from someone else. Yes, uh, the Giants. He's going to be the Giants quarterback. There's no way he's getting out of New York. He's Brian Dayball loves him. You could see that. The organization, as we've discussed, that they wanted to work. I think they did the right thing by not, you know, committing with the fifth-year option. And as we've talked about before, you know, he's finally established himself here. He's in a spot with great support that wants him and likes him, and he seems to like them to where it's not easy, you know, just to go somewhere else and say, oh, okay. And I think the Giants will pay him, yeah, handsomely, within protecting themselves. But this is one where, I mean, it just I, I, I don't want to say guarantee, but I, I just would be shocked if Daniel Jones is not back as the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. I'd be shocked if we don't hear 
a contract being done and finished here sometime within the next month. You know, if you're the Giants, you knew he was the starting quarterback for your 2023 football team, you know, a month ago, more than a month ago with the way he played with the surrounding cast and everything there. So uh, I, I think we're, we're, we're in it with Daniel Jones for the next few years. And as a Giants fans, I'm very happy about that. And the Giants hold exclusive negotiating rights until free agency opens. But again, once right. we get to the scouting combine, just a couple of weeks after the Super Bowl, it's open season and he'll know other teams are interested and he'll know which ones. And they may already begin to have an idea in the event he doesn't stay with the Giants. Here's Joe Shane, who did a great job in his first year as the general manager of the New York Giants on the question of whether or not his team will be re-signing Daniel Jones. Uh, we, we'd like Daniel to be here. Again, he, he said it yesterday. There's, there's a business side to it, but um, we feel like Daniel played well this season. He's done everything that we asked him to do. And, you know, again, there, there's a business side to it. We, we haven't went down that road yet. Um, you know, we still got to have our meetings with our staff late in the week, and uh, we'll devise an off-season plan. But we, we haven't had those meetings yet, but uh, we would like to have Daniel Jones back. When did you make the decision, both of you guys, this guy's our guy to move forward with? Yeah, I don't know if there was necessarily an aha moment or anything like that. We've just continued to evaluate him throughout the season and, you know, what the coaches were asking him to do. And, you know, he was executing the game plans. And Dave's and I communicate on a, on a daily basis, um, you know, not just Dave's and I, but the offensive staff and what they're asking him to do. And uh, he continued to prove out throughout the season. So I don't know the exact date or time when we're like, Dan- Daniel's our guy, but we're pleased with how we played this season. If they have to use the franchise tag, it's projected to be in the neighborhood of $32 million. That would give them the right to match an offer sheet, and if they don't match, they'd get two first-round picks. Daniel Jones isn't in the category that someone is going to give up first uh, two first-round picks. I, I don't, I don't right. think they no, have to worry about so that. Right. If they apply the franchise tag, he'll be with the Giants next year at $31.7 million unless they extend the contract. Remember that window every year, July 15. That is the point at which you cannot sign a franchise tag player to a multi-year deal. So I, I, I tend to think that they will get something worked right. out, something that is fair to both sides and something that, that pays. And here's the, here's the thing we always need to remember. The salary cap keeps going up and up and up and up. So we get caught up in the numbers. Oh, that guy's making $25 million for one year of football. Well, yeah, but the salary cap is going to be $220 million or more this year. The owners, for every dollar the players are getting, the owners are getting a dollar as well. There's money everywhere. We, we focus on the specific salaries being played to spe- uh, paid to specific players, but yes, the, the business is booming, as a wise man once said. So everybody is making money and more and more of it. So Daniel Jones, Chris, I'm with you. I think he's going to get signed, and yeah. it's it's probably going to be a contract that, we, that people are going to be like, "Whoa, hey, Daniel Jones, agreed." Can you loan me some money? <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's probably going to you know be eye popping a little bit, but like you said, it's just the current rate, and we got to get it adjusted to that. And I I could see a four year deal with some big guarantees that you know they can get out of after two years if it kind of went the wrong way and they wouldn't have a huge you know cap hit i i, I that's kind of how i would imagine it so we'll see where it goes but yeah i clear to me the play with the giants is i think going to be daniel jones get the long ter- long-term deal done we both know we like each other and 
And again, this is Dayball from New England and Buffalo before that. I think he wants to frame his team around his quarterback like we've talked about a lot before. And then they're going to franchise Saquon Barkley and work on that deal. That would be how I think it's going to shake out. We'll see where it goes. But I think the Barkley deal is the one that's actually going to be harder to figure out and deal with because it's a running back. It is only a year removed from an ACL injury. Yes, he was awesome this year, but damn, we're getting to year five. And as we all know, that's when it's, it's can be dicey for running backs and things can start go the, the wrong, the wrong direction. The other reality too, um, I completely lost my train. Of damn, thought. look at you. That That's all right. Happens to me. I know it happens. I just every completely now and lost then. it. I was I, well. I'm directing traffic. I'm directing traffic for things that I plan to write after the show, and right. I completely lost my train of thought. Anyway, yep. anyway, Daniel Jones <laughs> will get paid. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I knew if I talked long enough, it would come back to me. Contracts in the NFL, anyway, long-term veteran contracts. That's right. Are two or three-year propositions at Period. best. That's why right. the Deshaun Watson deal was such an outlier to commit for five years where the team can't get out of it. What, that's always one of the first things I look at when it's time to assess a contract. How many years until the team can walk? Is it after one? Is it after two? Is it after three? Most of them, at the latest, it's after three. And like you said, the, the, the structure, we're getting toward that time of the year. The structure is so critical. ESPN dusted off through a different personality the notion that Lamar Jackson was offered $133 million fully guaranteed by the Ravens and rejected it. And it had been long enough. Ryan Clark's the one that mentioned it earlier or recently. Chris Mortensen on the first day of the regular season said right. the same damn thing. That. And everybody acted like it was news because because we I guess we all are unable to Google or search. Like, shouldn't, shouldn't people who cover football have – boy, I remember hearing something about Lamar Jackson – turning down an offer there were details out there about them let me just look them up and see what they were oh look at that it's the same damn number why is this news why is this news i mean i don't know i don't know what wires are getting crossed within espn where they got one of their people breaking news that was broken four months ago 133 million fully guaranteed lamar jackson walked away from it but you know what at the end of the day chris it didn't tell us jack diddly squat not really about the value of the deal right it doesn't because here's the one thing here's one thing it doesn't tell us there's there's one key element out there, and then we'll, we'll take a break. I think we got to take a break. But I want people to understand how this works. Fully guaranteed at signing is critical, very critical, because that's the only guarantee you have. And actually, the signing bonus is the most important aspect of that, because once you have that money, good luck having them turn off the faucet. So beyond signing bonus, everything, the moment you put your, your name on the paper, whatever you are fully guaranteed to get, that's the most important metric. But there's another one. And that is how much of the future guarantees, the injury guarantees, how much of those become fully guaranteed after one year, March of the following year, because they aren't going to cut you after March of the following year if they fully guaranteed $133 million right out of the gates. That right, that is the most important factor that we don't know about because it hasn't been leaked because my sense is whoever's leaking it to make the Ravens look bad and Lamar Jackson look good is deliberately leaving that out because if you knew what would have vested the next March and been practically guaranteed, that's what they call it. The practical guarantee is X. 
Then all of a sudden the deal looks better. Yeah, then right. Then all of a sudden it looks like something maybe right. Lamar Jackson should have taken. Right. Maybe he shouldn't have turned up his nose at it and said, I want five years fully guaranteed. That's the gamble he's taken. That's the bet he made on himself. And I thought it was so funny, Chris, and I'm sorry to pivot over to this because it's relevant because he's another guy yeah. that's available. Daniel Jones is available. A lot of quarterbacks are going to be available. After three weeks of the regular season, everybody said, hey, Lamar Jackson bet on himself and it paid off. It's like, no, folks. The bet doesn't pay off until after the 2024 season if he's doing the Kirk Cousins bet. Right. After three games of the regular season, the Ravens are going to say, boy, we screwed that up. Here's your Deshaun Watson contract. There's no reason to. So anyway, anyway, uh, bottom line is two years or three years is what you're looking at on any of these long-term deals unless you can get yourself a Deshaun Watson contract, and I doubt that anybody else will. So if Daniel Jones gets a big deal and the Giants can get after, after two years, that's not all that unusual right. as it relates to other contracts. So, uh, And you got to keep – look, it's like any other sport. you got to keep performing – are you going to be gone? Yeah, that's what makes. They're going to tear the awesome. contract. They give that money to somebody else who does it. That's right. You know, that's why. You know, I don't know if I'll ever be in favor of like total guarantees in the contract because I think it's what keeps this this board great. At the end of the year, for teams that maybe have nothing to play for, they're, they're you know the players are playing for something. So uh, it's it's a fine line, and of course, I want to see players get all their money they can. But I do think it's an advantage that the NFL has over some of the other sports in our country with the way it's set up there. That keeps people motivated. Uh, it is. It's 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 a year to year business. The really awesome players. It's a you know every two to three year business. But most of the league is on one year contracts, just trying to survive. Basically, you know the superstars are on what Mike is saying, two or three year contracts. And then after that, yeah, it's okay. Fight for your life for the next one. And and you're right. The language of the contract is so important. And as you said, right, how many times have we looked at a guarantee and then gone, yeah, but the next year they got another chunk where they have to guarantee it like on the fifth day of the league year, so they're not going to cut the guy after one year $100 million. That'll be the dumbest thing ever. So that is practically guaranteed. Uh, structure of the contract is very important, and that's where the agent is very handy in that department. Running back Saquon Barkley also due to become a free agent. He's got five years, and they did pick up the fifth-year option on him. And here's the danger with running backs. I know. You got five years in. Yeah. Wear and tear, injuries. It's inherent to the position. It's not inherent to the player. Very few guys are Emmett Smith who can take that pounding and keep going no matter what. Marshawn Lynch, take that pounding, keep going no matter what. Guys get injured. Look at Christian McCaffrey's contract. Now, look, it's working out well for the 49ers. Didn't work out well for the Panthers. All that money they gave him, and what did they get? It's not him. It's the position. So what do you do if you're Saquon Barkley? He has said he's not looking to reset the market, which is good because he's not going to. He's not getting $17, 18000000 million a year. Running backs don't get that. They shouldn't get that. It's the nature of the position. And if running backs out there have a problem with it, you should have maybe picked a different position as Ben Tate. One of the One of the... Many links in this chain of running backs that, you know, at the time they were guys you had to get on your fantasy team. I remember Ben Tate, second round pick of the Texans out of Auburn, had a couple of good years. And then that was that. He said, man, I should have been a safety. And, you know, it's, that's one of the cruel realities of football. The, one of the positions that attracts the most athletic, the fastest, the best players on the team at the earliest stages of the sport where it's as simple as give the ball to the best 
athlete and let him run circles around everyone, you end up becoming that player and you have a shortened career. You don't make as much money. You just got to resist that temptation when you're a kid and it's clear that you've got a high degree of skill that may parlay itself into a future in football, Chris. Yeah, no, it, it's the brutal aspect of the sport. You're right. And there's a lot of players that are, you know, I, I, I know of some high school players up here in the North Jersey area, other guys where, you know, hey, could have been a big-time Division One running back. They said the hell with that because of what you're talking about. So I do think the younger genera- generation is aware of that. But it is. It, it, it's, it's cruel almost. It's sometimes why I wish, like, the, the running back position almost didn't count against the salary cap because we see too much where we see guys who are unbelievable their first three or four years in the league, and they're one of the best running backs, the best players in the league, and then it comes time to get that contract, and they go, yep, but you ran between the tackles a whole lot, and you've been hit by cars in every which direction, so you're not a good investment anymore. And I do wish they could find a, a fine line in supporting some of these guys because there's been a lot of great running backs who never saw a second payday because they got beat to shit in their first four years in the NFL. And that's what happens because supply outweighs demand. Yeah. Every major college has a guy that could play at the NFL level, that can move the chains at the NFL level. We said this just yesterday. Block for him, trust him not to fumble, and trust him not to get the quarterback killed in blitz pickup. Those are the three ingredients that make for an acceptable NFL running back. And if you are the one running the ball, if you've got a great offensive line, that's something we talk about all the time. When your offensive line is great, your offensive line never gets mentioned. Who gets mentioned are the quarterback, the receivers, the tight end, and the running back. So you get a star running back who has a skill set that plenty of guys have. So he's out there. He becomes a star. Everybody buys his jersey. He's on the fantasy team. He's scoring touchdowns. This is great. And then, yeah, he's chewed up and spit out by the football machine, and in comes somebody else behind that great offensive line. So that, that's the challenge, identifying the truly special running back and separating him from the lather, rinse, repeat two years, three years, four years, or a committee approach. That became fashionable 15, 20 years ago. You have three guys. You rotate them in and out. You never have one guy that can hold you hostage at the bargaining table because you're you're spreading out the yards. You're spreading out the touchdowns. That drives fantasy football people crazy. (laughs) That may be what the Giants do. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But it's going to be challenging to give Saquon Barkley what he deserves because what he's done isn't relevant, Chris. What's relevant is what he's going to do. And nobody knows what he's going to do, especially once he gets paid. Yeah, it's – it's well, we don't know how much – I feel pretty safe to say he's going to still be damn good next year, right, bearing an ACL injury, right? It's just that, yes, we're getting towards a time where you start to worry. Now, with Saquon Barkley, too, I think you would agree – he is one of those guys you look at and go, well, he's one of the freakiest people I've ever seen in my life. He might be able to hang around here longer than the normal guy. He might be able to be more like, you know, your Adrian Peterson, your Emmett Smith that you were kind of mentioning before, right? And I think the other thing that's good about Saquon Barkley is not necessarily a car crash runner, especially early in his career. More of a space runner, make you miss, break your ankles, do all that to where other than the ACL, I don't think he's as beat up maybe as some fifth-year running backs or going into six-year running backs. So I surely hope he's back. 
I think he's still, you know, top-notch. And as we saw this year, in space and got a little, got some holes this year, and they'll improve that offensive line more in this offseason, I think he still is going to be top running back in football conversation next year and, and maybe a year or two after that with the way his body is and the way he looks right now. Yeah. The, the other reality, too, and this has gotten plenty of running backs paid over the years, the extent to which the fan base has fallen in love with the guy. Yeah. Can we bear to move on from him? He was a second overall pick in 2018. Even though that isn't Joe Shane or Brian Dayball, there's an institutional attachment to Saquon Barkley. Sure. How can we let Saquon Barkley go, especially after the year that he had? Look, they do need to work something out. He needs to come back. But the point is, with any running back, you never know how long it's going to last. Whether you're a rookie, whether you're a 60-year guy, whatever it can can be and whenever it may happen, it can happen quickly. It's the nature of the position. The wheels can come off, and they will come off at some point. Very rarely do you see a guy just keep going and going like Frank Gore did, like Adrian Peterson did, like Emmett Smith did. The careers are much shorter than that, and the Giants have to factor that in. And just like with Daniel Jones, it's got to be a two-year commitment at most with Saquon Barkley before the Giants could just tear it up and move on if that's what they choose to do. We need to tear it up and move on. The Bills tearing it up and moving on after another divisional round exit. We'll hear from Josh Allen and Sean McDermott next about the present and future of the Buffalo Bills when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Home isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair while it's cold outside. With a warm drink, or maybe even a wine in hand. As you watch the world go by outside your window. Mmm, short rib. Good afternoon, this is your captain speaking. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home. Refill? Long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Shotgun for Allen. Allen looking downfield. Allen going to uncork it to the right side. It is intercepted. A lunging pick by Cam Taylor Britt to end it. 1-0-2 on the clock in a fitting way for this Cincinnati defense to celebrate with Snow Angels in the end zone. Hey, were you shocked That's how by how, ended. how many Bengals fans were there the other day? Were you shocked by that a little bit? 
I was shocked by how many Jaguars fans were in Kansas City. I hear you that I, too. I was I, too. Look, yeah. Hey, the the se- the secondary market and the efficiency of if you've got the money, if you've got the money, there's always going to be someone that is willing to sell those tickets. Those tickets are expensive as they are face value. If you can double your price or whatever, there's going to be fans that are willing to do it. And uh, there's going to be fans that are willing to pay it. Yeah. Business transaction. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Up close in the front rows uh, of the stadium. That's what I think is kind of surprising to me. I mean, just watching the the Bills game sitting on the couch Sunday or, of course, our game Chiefs-Jaguars being there, you're right. It was a lot of – you know, it must be big money. It was in the first few rows where I saw a lot of Jacksonville fans, and and it's because I you're, you're probably right. There, the people that have those seats are like, damn, this is you're going to give me three times the amount for this expensive seat. I'll take it, and uh, I think that's probably what's going on. You're you're spot on, probably. Yeah, I mean, if you've got the money to make that trip, and you're that that zealous about your team, yeah, yep, you're going to be front and center. It's a gutsy move. There are certain stadiums where I would say. Be a little more discreet with that big old Jacksonville Jaguars foam finger. Oh, I'm interested uh, with the 49ers fans who travel really well and, of course, have a lot of money. And we know that out there in San Francisco and, you know, Silicon Valley and all that. Are they going to show up here in Philadelphia like they've been showing up in these other places? They're, they're good. That could be a recipe for a disaster, as we know. That is one of those places. <laughs> At one at one point this year, when it looked like the Vikings were going to be, you know, not crap in the postseason. Sorry, but I mean, the shoe fits. Uh, and it looked like maybe they'd go to Philadelphia and play. My son said, "I'm going to that game, and I'm wearing a Vikings jersey." And I said, "No, you're not. Not <laughs> yeah. not just because I knew the game wasn't going to happen, but it's like no." You're not right. Uh, right. There are certain things that just are not worth doing and antagonizing the Eagles fans would not be, especially if you would go in there and win. Good Lord. It'd be hard enough to go in there and root for the visiting team that loses. Good luck getting out of there. If you're rooting for the visiting team that wins. Right. So, and, and look, I don't condone any of that. It shouldn't be that way. And there's been a crackdown on it in recent years. And if the NFL is going to profit from the secondary market, it needs to welcome fans of both teams to every game. Maybe that's why they want neutral site. I don't know. Then it just ends up being a huge rumble. If it's uh, if it's Eagles 49ers at a neutral site and it's 50-50 Eagles fans and 49ers Seriously. fans. But regardless, we'll get, back to, we'll get back to the point. Here's the point. Josh Allen, elbow. He told reporters yesterday he doesn't need surgery, just rest and recovery. He, he needs to do the one thing that we all are very good at doing, which is absolutely nothing at all. That's good news for Josh Allen because we just kind of assumed. I know I did. We get to the end of the season and we'd hear pretty quickly he was having some sort of a procedure on that elbow, Chris. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's refreshing news. We knew there was some issue there. You know, I, you, know you talk to people in the NFL. You knew he wasn't totally 100% of himself. He did take days off from throwing and had little instances like that. And, man, if there's a guy that needs rest in football, it's Josh Allen. Come on. Who took more hits and physical beatings this year than Josh Allen? You know, again, that, that's one of our things that I think we both agree with. They've they got to do something this offseason to take a little pressure off Josh Allen. He can't be the running game and the passing game and, you know, the guy that just dictates how everything goes for them. You saw what happened there. It's, it's, he can't overcome a team that's got a bunch of awesome players on it, you know, in that situation. It was too much, but – uh, yeah, good to see. Glad he doesn't have to get surgery. We all know how special that arm is, and uh, hopefully the, the rest and recovery gets it back to 
So the good news is he doesn't need surgery. The bad news is he's five years into a special career and has yet to make it to a Super Bowl. Two straight years of not getting back to the conference championship game. Coach Sean McDermott meeting with reporters on Monday was asked about offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey's first year as offensive coordinator, obviously, and potential changes to the staff. Have a listen to Sean McDermott. There's um, a first year for everyone, and I thought Dorsey really did some good things, and then um, there's some things that he can learn from as well. And I know this, when you're, when you're committed to a cause and you work hard at things and, and you put, your, your, uh, put the team first, that you, know, you, learn, you learn from experiences. And, um, and so, like, like all of us, we have to learn from the, from the experience. Yeah, I'm not going to get into, into staff right now, Jay. I just obviously, you know, not even 24 hours uh, past yesterday's game, so I'm just... Like I said, finished with the uh, with the exit interviews with the players, and, meet, and we met as a team. Sounds a lot like some things we heard last week from coaches who eventually would move on from coordinators. I've heard some rumblings. Maybe Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator, is going to be the scapegoat for the collapse season. I can't imagine Ken Dorsey being fired after one year, but who knows? Look, Chris, uh, under under. Normal circumstances, and there was nothing normal about the Buffalo Bills season. That's right. If this was just, you know, a year of failed expectations without the snowstorm and DeMar Hamlin and everything else that kind of made that community and the team even more tightly forged together. Right. I'd I'd wonder if ownership would, would want to make big changes, come to the conclusion. We've talked about this, that, you know, and, and McDermott said, after the game, we just keep knocking on the door. At some point, the the team decides, ownership decides they want someone else doing the knocking, that you've taken this as far as we can go. We've decided you're not the one who's going to kick in the door. We need someone else to do it, whether that's coach, whether that's GM, whatever the case may be. But the flaws in that team continue to exist in plain sight. And the question is, at what point will ownership do anything about it? Or is good enough just good enough? Is it good enough to be division champion, to be in the playoffs, to get to the divisional round, and not kick in that door. For some teams it is, for some teams it isn't. It's going to be interesting to see, especially after 2023, because the pressure's only going to be greater, and I think hot seat time arrives next year. Regardless of what happens with the staff this year, and it sounds like something could happen, higher up, I think next year is the year where, where things could go sideways if the Bills don't have a better outcome than they had in 2022. I don't disagree that, you know, there's more of a spotlight on them coming into this year. You're right. In 2023 agreed. You know, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, it's, 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 you can only be the bridesmaid so many times, right? Before you feel like an owner, it'll get frustrated. I get that, but I don't think we're here or there to make any changes. I, I don't look at it. You know, again, like you said it right. Damn. Nobody went through more this year than the Buffalo bills. You know, that was the thing where, like, I was certainly in question of. Like, was that going to be a moment that propels them, or are they going to be so emotionally exhausted from it they just can't push forward? And it feels like that's kind of what happened to a degree. Also, you know, the, 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 man, I mean, they, I know it's not that easy to get to the conference championship and get to Super Bowls. They're right there on the cusp. You know, yeah, they were there two years ago last year. You know, they, yeah, they messed up a end of the game situation and let the Chiefs score, and it went into overtime, and they lost. But they've been in the conversation for one of the best teams in football, and I don't think you, you know, disrupt that formula as of right now. 
My big thing with the Bills, and like we talked about a little yesterday, they just there's gotta there's gotta be more sizzle on the football team. When you look at the teams that are left, right? Buffalo does not have the high end elite players that the team is that the teams that are left. On offense, it's Allen and Diggs. On defense, without Von Miller, I'm not sure there's a blue chip player on the defense. Uh, and and I'm not I respect and you know I love the Buffalo Bills. But that to me is where I go, wait, the Bengals, wait, wait, it's not only Jamar Chase, it's T. Higgins, and it's Joe Mixon, and it's Tyler Boyd, who would be the number two receiver for Buffalo. And he's the number three receiver for, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals. And then it's, hey, we only have to rush three and we get pressure. There's no marquee offensive lineman on the Bills. You know, the secondary, there's no shutdown corner. There's no marquee safety right now. You know, the linebackers are good. We know that. But then I think when you compare that to the 49ers or the Cowboys or the Eagles or the Chiefs or the Bengals, it's not in the same stratosphere, in my opinion. And that, that's something that I think they got to address this year is just getting a few guys that can make plays outside the realm of the playbook. It can't always be the coaches having to deliver. Uh, there's a lot of positives. They just need a little in that department, in my opinion. John Elway. Early 2015, when he surprisingly fired John Fox after a divisional round loss, he said, I think if there is one thing that you would like to have and you want to feel, at least in the last game, you want to feel like you go out kicking and screaming. When you're right there, and I think two years in a row, it didn't feel like we went out kicking and screaming because of the fact of the way we played our last game. I mean that, And what did he do? He fired John Fox, hired Gary Kubiak, and won a Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Right. The next year. And he and that's just a recent example of a dynamic that has played out time and again. You. Right. There's a danger in getting close too many times because eventually ownership's gonna say you're not the one to kick in the door. And I am sorry, but that I think that's why there was just a sense that the, the Bills were kind of feeling the weight of the pressure back in August, because they knew. They knew. And they understand at some point ownership is gonna say, We got Josh Allen. We need better results. We need people who are going to get us to better results with Josh Allen. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. We need to pivot back to the Buffalo Bills because, remember, after the loss to the Bengals on Sunday, Stephon Diggs, star receiver, made a quick exit from the locker room. During the game, he was gesturing at Josh Allen a couple of different times. We broke that down yesterday, and he's heard the blowback. He's seen the criticism yesterday on Twitter. Want me to be okay with losing? Nah. And he had another tweet. You want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to standard? Nah. Last one. It's easy to criticize my reaction more than the result hey look more power to you Stefan Diggs make your case make it known it it, it kind of underscores what we were talking about earlier in the show though at what point does ownership say we gotta have a better team we gotta do a better job we got a guy in Stefan Diggs who is out there leaving it all on the field we got Josh Allen who's one of the best in the game What else do we really have? What else do we need to get to where we want to be? And Diggs cares. Diggs wants to win. It's not just I want the ball. Diggs wants to win. And he presumably believed, especially after two years ago when they got to the AFC Championship, they'd at least be back there if not to a Super Bowl by now. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I get it. You know, one, hey, you said it right. First off, it's hard in these kind of games because nobody else to worry about in Buffalo, right? And Jamar Chase gets a lot of good looks because you can't, you can't always compromise, you know, Jamar Chase coverage because you go, oh no, then T. Higgins a mismatch, and there's Tyler Boyd. That's the issue they have up there in Buffalo. And like you said it right too, Mike. He loves football. He's ultra passionate. His heart's in the right place. Yeah. Is this being a little bit of a pain in the butt on the sideline? Sure. Okay. But I'd rather my receiver be like that than like just sitting on the, you know, side of the sideline somewhere, being quiet and pouting or whatever. It's the way receivers are. And as we've discussed before, receivers are the freakiest athletes on the planet. In my opinion, it is the best athlete on the planet. When you talk about overall speed, explosion, acceleration, and then they have hand-eye to go along with it, most of them are great at baseball, can shoot baskets, throw a football, whatever. So they believe, wait, give me the damn ball and we'll win the game. I, my whole life, when I get the ball, good things happen. So that's just part of it. He's frustrated. I understand that. And this was a team that was on a mission, was thinking Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. That's all they thought about this year. So he's disappointed. Uh, but, yeah, they need to help him out by giving a better supporting cast and uh, I understand his frustrations. I don't think he's crossed the line here of being like too diva or pain in the ass or anything like that. It really was jarring, though, to see him making those gestures toward Josh Allen, who just sat there and ignored it, because some quarterbacks would not react in that moment per se, but you've, you've, you've touched a nerve potentially. And Josh Allen's a He's a big guy. <laughs> I don't know that I want to get him mad at me if I'm Stephon Diggs. There's a limit that I'm gonna that I'm going to avoid reaching when it comes to Josh Allen. But I think that's an issue and that's a problem. And they knew when they when they traded for him three years ago. They knew he had the propensity to get from time to time upset with the way things were sure. going. That's why he wanted out of Minnesota. He wasn't happy with the way things are going. And as I said yesterday, anytime you acquire a player who wanted out of his last team for some specific reason, that same reason could arise eventually for you, and he may want out of your team. I think that's premature, but it's something to watch going what forward. What receiver doesn't do watch. it, right, Mike, a little? Like, what does it? I mean, we well, see Justin Jefferson. We see DK Metcalf. We know Ty- Tariq Hill. We've had Devontae Adams. I mean, you can go through it. It's part of the receiver. I, if I had a dollar for every time a receiver told me he was open during a football game, I mean, come on. Right. I used to sit next to a receiver in a team meeting. We watched the film the next day, and I go, oh, wait, here's the play. He was about to tell me he was wide open. I watched the play, and we look at each other and go, you mean the play where you were quintuple covered? That was the play you told me? Are you trying to get me fired or lose my job or what? So that's where you also got to you know, take it with a grain of salt, too. These are emotional guys. I, I also think, though, it comes back to the overall leadership of the quarterback. Does the receiver feel comfortable articulating it openly like that? I think in some situations, the receiver knows damn well to not do anything like that in public. And in private, if you're going to start that, you're going to get it right back at you. And you're going to hear that, hey, come on, I could see, see somebody doing that to Peyton Manning. Could you imagine if Reggie Wayne or Marvin Harrison had done that to Peyton Manning? back in the day, and if you do it privately, Peyton Manning is going to take you into the room right then and there, and they're going to break down the film, and he's going to show you why you weren't open on that play that you thought you were. We're not going to wait for the regular team meeting. We're doing it right now. We're doing it right now. You think you're open? We get the film. We're going to look at it. You weren't, Don't and don't do that again. I remember when 
Dante Culpepper was very early in his career with the Vikings. They have Randy Moss and Chris Carter, and they would berate him on the sidelines. And they, uh, it's there's a point where the quarterback, as part of the gig as being the leader of the team, has to shut that down. That's what's going to be interesting about this going forward. Now, going forward next year, when the Bills and the Bengals play in Cincinnati, the schedule is already set. We just don't know when it's going to be and what time of day, what day of the week is it going to be. And I, I assume it'll be a primetime game. Maybe it'll be the first game of the season if the Bengals win the Super Bowl. Either way, Eli Apple, Cincinnati cornerback. Yikes. He was having some fun Man. yesterday at the expense of Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Here's just one of them. Someone get them in couples therapy. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, I'll pay on God. Uh, and that's the clip of the gesturing that we saw. And there's there's more. There's more. Oh, there's more. And and see, there's a there's a level where Eli Apple was mocking the Demar Hamlin reaction. Like this is the one that bothered me. I think that one crossed the line. Cancun on three with the heart gesture that Demar Hamlin uses. I think Eli Apple went too far with that. The rest of it, hey, you want to stir up the hornet's nest in advance. You still got to play these guys next year, and they're definitely going to remember it now. He was going on and on and on. A clip of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs shaking hands and yucking it up before the game. They ain't do this after the game, Eli Apple said in the tweet with that video. Again, there's like 15 or 20 of them where he just keeps poking and poking and poking. There's a point where if I'm one of his teammates, I'm going to call him up and say, you got, you got to stop. You got to stop. First of all, we got to worry about the Chiefs. And second of all, we are going to play the Bills again at some point. There's a line you don't want to cross there. Uh, and he kind of crossed it with both feet yesterday. Well, it, it, it's it's a tough subject. You know, again, hey, we just talked about, you know, the guy here in the, in the bottom of the screen, right? He He talks a lot. I'm sure he was saying a lot before and during the game that probably pisses Eli Apple off or somebody else. Sorry, London. All right. But yeah. I, I, so again, that's where wait, you don't know. You, you, I know. Wait, I said, wait, sorry wait, for a piss. And then the other one. That one? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I felt right. like we hadn't done it in a while. So I all wanted right. to do it. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think there's always that aspect that we got to be careful. We don't judge, you know, who knows what Stefan Diggs is saying to Eli Apple all game long and all that as well. But yes, it does seem like, Hey, the game's over and, Gosh, we're 24 hours out, and we're still piling on a little bit. It went maybe a little overboard. You would think Eli Apple would be one that would like not be like that, especially after you know the way he got dragged on social media after the Super Bowl last year, or the way he was dragged when he was in the New York Giants. You'd think he'd like have a little bit of a soft place in his heart there, but damn, he was going scorched earth on on the Bills and, and Stephon Diggs yesterday. Oh, hey, he bit on a double move in the playoff game against the Ravens and got dragged just a week and a half ago. I just think there's a point where you got to forget about the team you beat and yeah, you got to start you. focusing on the team you're getting ready to play. 100%. The 24-hour rule. He violated the 24-hour rule. He should have been thinking Chiefs, 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 not digs, digs, digs. All right, let's take a break, break, break. We'll be back to wrap up this Tuesday. Get the papers, get the papers. Right We are 16 days into the coaching carousel, and so far, none of the five vacancies has been filled. Now, what typically happens is one goes, then it's two, three, four, five, done. Uh, The interviews are still happening. The second interviews have begun this week. 
teams like the Panthers, the Texans, the Broncos, moving toward interview number two, Sean Payton in play for all of the jobs except Indianapolis. It's odd the Colts haven't haven't at least tried to bring him in, although maybe he just realizes it's not going to happen in India. I still feel like I still feel I feel like Jim Irsay, the owner of the team, is interviewing as many guys as possible. So at the end of the day, he can say I've talked to all of them, and Jeff Saturday is still the best one. Well, I, I don't know. I'm certainly got my eye on that one for sure. But I, I do think that the Sean Payton aspect of this is what's hovering over all of it. You know, like you said, everybody but the Colts has interviewed him. So everybody, that's the guy everybody wants. We know that. So I think once we see Sean make a decision or we start to get a feel for where he's leaning, then I think we're going to start to hear more rumors about the other jobs and where they get filled and who they get filled by. I don't know why he's not more strongly linked to the Texans. That would seem to be a good spot. Weak division, full control. I know Nick Casario is part of that, but keep an eye on all of them, and we will too. We'll have more tomorrow. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.